This is Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. This episode of Communication Matters was hosted by Trevor Perry Giles, Professor of Communication at the University of Maryland. Hi, listeners. You know, whether in the schoolyard, in the office, or on Facebook, bullying can lead children and adults alike to question their self-worth and to experience health problems, depression, or anxiety. To develop and implement solutions, we need to understand this complex and varied phenomenon. And that's what today's episode of Communication Matters, the NCA podcast, is all about. We're going to address bullying from a communication perspective with some renowned experts in bullying and anti-bullying communication research, Professors Gary Bailey, Christina S. Beck, and Stacey Ty Williams. Our conversation delves into bullying at school and in the workplace, cyberbullying, the role that gender, race, ethnicity, and culture play in bullying. We're going to try and cover it all. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guests first. Gary Bailey is an Associate Professor of Organizational Development and Conflict Resolution at Abilene Christian University. Dr. Bailey studies intercultural and organizational communication with an emphasis on race, gender, poverty, religion, and bully target relationships. Bailey has published research on global cultural views on gender roles and how those views affect women's opportunities, as well as conservative Christians' views on gender roles. Hi, Gary, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Christina S. Beck is a professor in the School of Communication Studies at Ohio University and an NCA past president. When she was NCA's second vice president in 2014, she established the NCA Anti-Bullying Project. As part of that initiative, Beck and Richard West co-edited the Rutledge Handbook of Communication and Bullying, which received the NCA Applied Communication Division's 2020 Distinguished Edited Book Award. Hi, Christy. Congratulations on the award and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Stacy Ty Williams is an Associate Professor of Communication Studies at Iowa State University. Dr. Ty Williams researches dark and bright side processes in organizational life, ranging from workplace bullying to the power of communication to create positive change in organizations. Ty Williams has published numerous journal articles on these topics and recently participated in a virtual discussion about workplace bullying sponsored by the National Workplace Bullying Coalition. Hi, Stacy. Welcome to Communication Matters. Hi, thanks for having us. Now, my good friend Christy Beck, when she was NCA president, developed and led NCA's anti-bullying initiative. And Christy, you recently co-edited the Rutledge Handbook, as I said earlier, of communication and bullying. It's been a well-received book, uh, we know that, and it certainly, as I indicated, won the uh, Applied Communication Division's Edited Book Award for 2020. It's also been featured, by the way, as a side note, on the NCA Bookshelf. Can you give our listeners a little overview of what the project was all about, the NCA Anti-Bullying Project, and some of the accomplishments that you think would be useful to know about that came from that initiative? Sure. Thank you. So back in 2014, when I was NCA second vice president, we had a difficult situation happen in my local community that 
really brought bullying to my attention. Of course, it had been on my attention, but this really brought it home for me. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, why don't we do more in the communication discipline to talk about this? And I realized that upon doing more research that we were doing it. And I thought, well, how can we bring more visibility to this? And so I talked to the others on the NCAEC and I said, could I go ahead and get started a little bit earlier than what I would normally get started with my NCA presidential initiative and start this work on bullying and bringing people together? And of course they agreed and I was so grateful for that. So we established the project with three primary goals. First, we really, I really wanted to encourage collaboration across the discipline and bring various stakeholders from a broad array of different research backgrounds to talk about bullying because it's a very complex problem and a lot of different perspectives would be valuable, interpersonal communication, organizational communication, of course, as Gary's research with peace and conflict, family community, and the list goes on, of course. And so I wanted to bring together a team from across our discipline. Second of all, I really hoped that we would utilize what we had been learning in communication and encourage the continuation of that research, but utilize that in communities to really start to make a difference. How can we make a difference with this? How could we how could we really provide resources so that we could do that? And then third, I hope that we would contribute to conversations more broadly beyond our discipline about bullying and really try to give communication a seat at the table in those difficult conversations. And I think that we we made progress on those. Let me just highlight for our listeners a few of the major accomplishments of the project. We did outreach projects in Las Vegas where we collaborated with area middle schools to create PSAs that were utilized by the various middle schools. We did a project in Dallas with the Dallas Independent School District and brought in over 100 teachers and administrators from that school district to provide them with communication-based strategies for addressing communication issues in their district. And then third, we did a partnership with Shriners Hospital for Children in Salt Lake City, where we took more of an organizational and health perspective and talked to medical professionals and healthcare administrators about bullying-related issues. So those were some of our outreach projects. In addition, we developed the NCA Anti-Bullying Resource, which even before NCA made many of its items more accessible to listeners beyond NCA members, we started with that and made that initiative more accessible so that we could get those resources in the hands of others beyond our discipline. We've offered short courses, pre-conferences, the NCA Anti-Bullying Roundtable Discussion, which was a brainstorming session for people in our discipline. And out of that, we had a number of individuals collaborate on grant projects and research projects. And actually sitting around a table in Dallas, we came up with the idea for a book where we would feature the scholarship of individuals in our discipline who have produced outstanding research on bullying and communication. And then partnering with my good friend, Rich West, we developed the Rutledge Handbook of Communication and Bullying. And I'm so honored and gratified by the response to that project. So that's a little bit about what we have done with the NCA Anti-Bullying Project. I'm grateful to the support of NCA for that initiative and to all of the people who have contributed to it. And you talked about the research, the communication research in communication and bullying. And I know that Stacy and Gary both have done some of that research. Could you describe maybe, Stacy or Gary or both of you, the state of research and how 
specifically what Christy's talking about, how it sort of transcends the discipline and the various silos that we find ourselves in and how different aspects or sub-areas of the discipline are engaged in anti-bullying research. Sure, I'm, I'm happy to, to chat about that. I think, you know, all too often in our research, we get very siloed, right, as you said. And and what I love about the anti-bullying initiative that Christy put together is that it really sort of brought us across and, and to talk in interdisciplinary ways um, to bring research forward. And so I think that really bullying lends itself really well to in these interdisciplinary conversations. They've, they've already been happening. So I think the state of that research is, is really strong. And I really think these different initiatives have really enhanced that, our ability to strengthen that interdisciplinary work and also really seeing the value and importance of the communication research in that broader conversation that that has been happening. And we weren't always, I think, at the forefront of the table, right? But I really think that, you know, over the years, we're really an integral part of that interdisciplinary research and moving forward our understanding of workplace bullying. One of the things that I see as being a really good development, you know, there's there's been this survey research that's gone on for a long time that identifies the categories of bullying and helps us see who is it, middle school or whatever, workplace kind of context. So we get that survey research that gives you the, the core pieces of information. But I think lately we've seen more of the collection of narratives. You know, our good friend Keith Berry has written his, his book, Bullied, collecting narratives and providing some analysis that gives more of the in-depth, lived experience kind of perspective. And, and I think that's a great development in our field as what the communication research can offer in interdisciplinary kind of environments too. I like that. We're so multi-methodological as a discipline. You know, we come at this from so many different perspectives. So Christy mentioned that one dynamic of the motivation or the source of her initiative about bullying was a school-aged bullying incident that happened in the Athens, Ohio area where, where she lives. Gary, do you have any insights on what, particularly in that context, communication research can tell us about dealing with and confronting school-age bullying? Yeah, you know, in Athens, Ohio, is just not the only place. It's all over. It's so prevalent. I think when we, we see children engaging in these kinds of problems, it's heartbreaking. And from a communication perspective, we need to understand, you know, how these interactions take place. What is the experience? And of course, it goes interdisciplinary. We, we see psychological effects. We see the sociological dynamics of these communities and schools. And uh, I think we, we need to see from a communication perspective how authority and power are used because you know, these are, are situations that are framing identities. People are receiving these messages as they're being bullied, and it is helping them see who they are. And their performance in school goes down, and there's all kinds of problems that result. And, you know, what, one of the things that we see a lot right now is, is the online experience, the cyberbullying issue, where kids are getting online and social media and that social part of media creates these networks of people who are ganging up on someone. And sometimes the suggestion 
in a bullying kind of way is that they commit suicide. And it happens. So in, in Texas, we now have David's Law. And this is a, a law that is providing resources for schools to help them deal with these situations. And we need more of uh, the kind of training and help that communication scholars can provide to help people understand and, and uh, authority figures, uh, either the, the resource police officers or the principals and counselors in the school to learn how to engage both the bully target and the bully to see what can be done to intervene and, and sort of disperse these networks of bullying and make them more into friendship networks. And that can happen. What about with the, the kids themselves? I mean, I get the authority figure thing, and I think that's really important, obviously. But what do we do to help the kid who is being bullied in particular deal with that You know, in the moment? What can we as communication scholars do in that case? And even in a cyberbullying context, too, because sometimes that cyberbullying is outside of the scope of the uh, authority figure that Gary talked about. So you know, how do we equip our young people to deal with being bullied and being a bully? I think that's one of the reasons why communication-based research is so important, because that's exactly the issue. If, if a child knew how to respond to those instances then the child would go ahead and do it. But developmentally, that's not something that they're naturally equipped to do. So we need to help educate them with the communication-based resources to know how to respond to it, how to ask for help. And even in the case of being a bystander, if Sally sees Johnny being bullied, how can we help equip Sally with the language choices and the communicative resources to be able to speak up and go to help that individual and stand up for her friend or, you know, and how can we do that? And that's all communication. And that's why communication plays such a central role in this topic of bullying, because it's providing our student, our, our young people, as well as I know Stacy does the research in the workplace, you know, how do we provide individuals with the communication-based resources to handle this? And, you know, I know Gary has done work on restorative justice, you know, how can we provide the administrators with the resources to handle the situations in ways that's not just, well, stop that, how can we how can we make it better? What words do individuals need to say? How can they approach it? And that's all communication based. That's great. I think that's one of the really compelling dynamics to this whole project is its its outward focus, you know, and its capacity to give people the tools, communicative tools that they need. Now, you mentioned Stacy's expertise in the workplace bullying situation, and that's obviously different than the school or the elementary, secondary school situation. But, you know, the I'm just thinking the, the bullies are everywhere, right? And being bullied doesn't stop when you get that diploma in high school. How do we confront and what do we know about the unique context of workplace bullying and how we can confront that? What are we learning from this project about workplace bullying, Stacey? Well, we're learning that there are actually, you know, there are parallels between school bullying and workplace bullying. You know, when I tell people what I research, I oftentimes get a little bit of a funny look, right? Like bullying in the workplace. And um, so I either get that funny look where people are like, oh, yes, I know exactly what that is because it's happening to me, right? So there are these kind of two reactions that I get. But 
Unfortunately, it's a cycle, right? And when we look at bullying research in schools and in the workplace, we can see some parallels in terms of how they happen. And as Christy was saying, you know, kids don't really have that capacity or ability to know how to respond. Well, what we know is that unfortunately grownups don't know how to respond either, right? Very well. And a big part of that is these power dynamics, right? So a lot of times bullying on the playground is going to be happening between a couple of classmates or a group of classmates, right? There's still a pecking order and a power differential there. But when we're looking in the workplace, right? A lot of times it's your boss or your supervisor, somebody who has the ability to make direct decisions about your employment or so on and so forth. And so bullying in the workplace is pretty frequent. And again, we really need to kind of help develop these communicative tools and strategies to help people respond more effectively because we have policies in place, right? In workplaces, we we know it, we've named it, we've looked at it, but over 70% of people who experience bullying in the workplace leave either voluntarily or involuntarily. And so that alone tells us that there's a lot to do because the person who ultimately pays the the ultimate price is, is the target in these instances. And so even though they've employed a lot of the common strategies that we have, they're, they're obviously not working, unfortunately. Well, some of your research goes right at that, right? What, what advice works and what doesn't work? Maybe you can tell us that. What What have you seen have been some effective strategies for dealing with workplace bullying? And what are some of the least effective strategies for dealing with workplace bullying? The most effective thing that people can do is honestly listen and provide a space for people to sort of imagine different strategies or alternative strategies. Because like Christy said, with school bullying, if they were able to have dealt with it on their own, they would have, right? It would be over with. We wouldn't need additional strategizing. And so I think friends, family members, supportive coworkers, just listening. I know our our knee-jerk reaction when we hear somebody is hurting or in pain is to try to help and give advice. And what I've found is that that isn't necessarily helpful and can also be harmful. So when people are told, quit your job, or you should stand up to the bully or all of these things, what that advice is missing is the, the context. So we're not aware of the power dynamics when we give those pieces of advice. We're not aware of the strategies that maybe they've tried to do or they've witnessed other people try these strategies and and know the bad faith that they, they endured. And so I think really what we should do is try to suspend giving advice and just let people communicate through and maybe start to think about, okay, what are some alternative ways that you might deal with this and address it beyond, well, you should quit or you should punch them in the nose. Well, okay. Like, thanks for the advice, but you know, that that's not incredibly helpful because I can't quit uh, financially. That's not an option for me. I can't punch them in the nose. I don't want to be arrested for assault, you know, all of these different things. I'm not a violent person. Yeah. Right. You know, some of the times we we suggest just go to HR and they'll help you out. But a lot of times HR is your is is not going to be very helpful. They're just ill-equipped, you know. And so you go to HR and you find out that you're being the target again and you end up in in deeper problems. But you know, if if we are we're able to give HR and other 
places throughout an organization, workplace, tools for even doing mediation. Engage in a mediation where somebody, a third neutral party, comes in and helps these people talk. And a lot of organizations are establishing ombuds offices and uh, providing a space for that kind of communication. And usually those ombuds have some good communication training, but certainly we could offer some additional kinds of help in good ways to address that kind of bullying. Yeah. And Gary, you've written about and talked at, at our convention about academic workplace bullying and the role that gender in particular has in that particular and unique context. I know most universities are going to have an ombuds person, but sometimes that person is less about bullying and more about like academic policies and, and things along those lines. Uh, do you have any advice for any of our listeners who might have encountered some academic workplace bullying? And explain to us how the gender dynamic works or doesn't work, <laughs> probably, in that context. Yeah, you know, I think for a long time, there's been a focus on gender and bullying in terms of gender discrimination and sexual harassment. And that's been kind of a long-term thing, but it really has expanded to so much more with increases in, in issues related to gender identity. You know, the bathroom issue, you know, which bathroom do I use? And those things can create difficult conversation and circumstances. And, uh, and I think what we see now among the people in the academy, women in the, in the academy, when we have these sessions and they're talking about their stories, it's very classic. They will deal with their bullying. And either, either they fight through it, they persist and deal with the bullying and are able to continue, or they go somewhere else, start over, or leave, leave academics altogether. And that's really a sad thing. But gender has been a, a, an interesting context for bullying and how it's it's changed over the years. And I think we can see how women have responded, but it's not just women in terms of gender. I think one of the things that uh, has happened over the years is, is there are many more women leaders in organizations. And one of the, the academy kind of situations that, that I heard of that's kind of different is how there are some female-led departments where there's a female chair of, uh, of the department and a female director of graduate programs. And in one of the narratives that I collected, a male applicant who is known to many of the students who are already in that department was rejected and discovered through further communication that it really must be that he's male. And so when we look at bullying, it, it goes a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different identity issues, and it's not just women that are being bullied, but men as well. And there's an intersectionality here as well, because as all of your research indicates, we have race, there's ethnicity issues with regards to bullying. And, you know, as we become more globalized and as we become more international, I guess, or diverse in our workplaces and in our schools, that identity dimension can be really important. I'm wondering, can, can somebody address how that works in particular with regards to bullying and some of the cultural dynamics that might affect both how authority figures deal with bullying and how people are, in fact, bullies and or bullied in these contexts? How does, how does that intersectionality play here? 
Yeah, I think, you know, this is an interesting question because in, in workplace bullying, we we initially really didn't look at things like gender, race, ethnicity, et cetera, because we considered those to be protected, right? And so now we're really um, kind of looking at that intersectionality and incorporating issues of race, gender, and other marginalized identities so that we understand how they coalesce. Now, that said, you know, we haven't necessarily been looking at it intersectionally as much as we should have, but the good news is that we are. But there are a lot of intercultural dynamics that that come into play when it comes to bullying. So we know that in some of our highly individualistic cultures, the bullying, you know, is just seen as kind of a way of doing things because ultimately it's a means to an end, right? And that end is success. And so, you know, it sort of gets normalized in those really competitive environments. But also we have to think about power dynamics. And so when we have a power distance, depending upon if it's high or low or or whatever, if you're actually able to call it out to people in power and, and things like that. So there are so many complex dynamics that that happen. We just got done doing an international handbook of workplace bullying and harassment. And it was just a fascinating project to co-edit because, you know, it really called people to look at how do these different dynamics happen in, in everywhere. So we were talking about silos earlier, interdisciplinary silos, right? We also have our own kind of cultural silos that we exist in. And this project was really fascinating because we really challenged people to say, okay, what what does this look like in Europe? What does this look like in Asia? What does this look like in and really look at the international research that's been done on nurses or that has been done on qualitative research, quantitative research. I mean, it was a four volume. It was a huge project, but, but I think we need to be doing more of that so that we have these better understandings of how culture and these different dynamics come to play when we're, we're talking about bullying, no matter what the context, no matter if it's academia or workplace or school or, you know, whatever. And I, I think that, that we need to really examine those dynamics and continue to do so. Yeah, I think that can be really important. Going back to something Gary said earlier about the narratives of bullying, imagine, uh, I hope your, your handbook uh, series that you talked about has some of that, some of those international narratives and those cross-cultural narratives of how bullying happens, because that can be so powerful, I think, for the person who's bullied to simply tell their story, right? And that speaks, I think, to an area of research that Gary's been very involved in, which is conflict negotiation and peace and conflict and those sorts of issues. We have a lot of listeners who are communication teachers, right? They teach in colleges and universities and high schools all around the country. What are some strategies of conflict and negotiation and and, uh, conflict management that we might impart to those folks? Great ideas for teaching conflict and conflict management in a bullying context for some of those teachers out there. Well, you know, first of all, I'd, I'd recommend going to the resource bank on the NCA website because there's a a rich resource there. I'd like to hear that. Yes, yes. But when I teach about conflict and negotiating through issues like bullying, 
one of the things that I like to do is to bring in those narratives to give a case study that kind of gives the lived experience of someone who's bullied and then ask students to discuss, you know, what is going on here? What are the communication elements? What theories does this ring, uh, ring out to you that might apply and help explain what is going on? And likewise, then strategies. When we're talking about conflict, you know, the, the first thing that has to happen is, is you've got to stop the fighting. That's kind of a universal thing. You, you know, you can't resolve a conflict while people continue fighting. So you've got to stop the fighting and you're just hopeful that, that people want to work through it. And then we can start telling the, the stories. Why am I in this conflict? When I tell my side and, and you tell your side, I'm going to learn some things about your experience that I was not aware of. And I'm, I'm making you just that much more human. Because before, I was seeing you as just a villain, not really human at all. And so as we see the humanity in each other, we are willing to be more vulnerable. We're willing to be more open to what the other has to say and maybe even give in to some of their needs because you know that they're maybe giving in to some of yours and working together, that collaborative. You know, we talk about the, the styles of conflict and and we, we like to move people towards that kind of conflict where you're collaborating or at least a compromise of the competition that's going on or the, or the accommodation or the avoiding of the conflict. And uh, when people are able to do that and engage together, those are the kind of the significant elements. But we talk about peace circles, mediation, conflict coaching, all good things using a measure of of working towards justice that is more restorative than retributive. Now, it's easy to put together a policy and punish the bully, but engaging them with restorative ways to help them integrate into the community, that's the key. That's nice. And I think that's very useful for, for many of us who, who confront these questions all the time. You know, I'm glad you referenced the Anti-Bullying Resource Bank on the NCA website because one of the nice outgrowths or, or um, perhaps unintended consequence is that that resource has become a sort of template for other resource banks that we've included on the NCA website, including the online teaching when all of us had to flip our classes in a week during the pandemic. And then we have a brand new anti-racism resource bank. And a lot of the ideas for that came out of the anti-bullying resource bank. So that's a really uh, positive development. I'm curious as to other future dynamics that can come from this focus on communication and bullying and the relationships between the two. So we've got this cross-cultural thing that Stacy's advancing and pushing forward. Christy, do you have any thoughts on other future potentials for communication and bullying and the research and the teaching and the negotiation that might be coming down the road in another five, 10 years? Sure. So I think something that we had talked about that would be really cool if we could accomplish would be collaborating with scholars in our discipline to create kind of a, a toolbox, if you will, so that we could then get these resources in the hands of those who need them. Yes, we did the out, the outreach project in Las Vegas. And yes, we did it in Dallas and Salt Lake City. But those are three cities and 
small audiences at best. It would be fantastic if we could collaborate with scholars in our discipline to come up with a communication-based resource that we could send to school districts. It would be fantastic if we could come up with another type of toolbox that we could get into the hands of individuals who are in human resources, right? And not just people who are in human resources, but also individuals who are employees who are wondering, what do I do with this? You know, my livelihood is on the line. What do I do? And I feel like that would really make our communication-based research that we've been doing even more consequential and matter even more. That's that's something that's been a long-time goal of our project, and we haven't got there yet, but I'm still hopeful for that. And then I guess another thing that I, I would really like us to be able to do in the future is to find ways of getting ourselves more visible in terms of the, the mainstream media when there's a something that happens with regard to bullying. Why isn't NCA, why aren't scholars that affiliated with NCA the first ones they call? Why aren't we on their list? And, you know, I think this could be said for a wide number of different top social issue topics, but I feel that with bullying, uh, this is something that definitely should be because we are the experts in this area. You know, there are all kinds of different people who contribute, scholars who contribute to this, certainly, but I feel like we as communication scholars should be at the forefront. And so how do we get ourselves that seat at the table in terms of the mainstream media, in terms of any broader collaborations? I know that bullying isn't exactly a big topic that is being talked about nationwide at the moment, but when it is, why are we not there? And I think those are things that we should be aspiring toward. You know, as you say that, though, I'm struck with the notion that there's a lot of bullying at the basis of much of what's going on in the national consciousness. So, you know, just today, and we're recording this in uh, late May, but just today there was another workplace shooting, a mass shooting out in California. There was a similar sort of, you know, and that's sort of the violent, you know, consequence of, of bullying at the basis of that. You could argue that there's a bullying dimension to all of the police issues that we've been dealing with over the past year since the murder of George Floyd. So, you know, I think there's something here. I agree. I agree. And I think the relevancy of that needs to be made more clear. How can we do that? And so those are definitely aspirational goals as we continue our work. And I'd like to ask your listeners, if anyone's interested in participating and joining the project, we welcome individuals to participate in our project, sending either me or Stacy or Gary an email and letting us know of your interest. If anyone has had any exercises or class projects that have worked for you, please send them to the NCA Anti-Bullying Resource Bank because we want to continue to grow that and continue its relevancy. So the more that we can reach out and draw others into this project, I feel like the more meaningful it's going to be to get those diverse perspectives. I agree. I think that's right. Stacy and Gary, do you have any other thoughts about how Maybe here's the final question we always ask, right? How does communication matter here? Because after all, that's the name of the podcast, right? Communication matters. Beyond what Christy said, and I think this community outreach notion is really fundamental, but how else might we argue that communication matters when it comes to bullying and uh, the future and where we're going? I like what uh, Christy was saying about our future gatherings. You know, when we 
when we have a conference, we always try to get together and and uh, discuss some of the things that we're working on and what can we do next. And I would love for us to work on some training modules that can be made available. And in those modules, I think communication is has got to be center to how we address bullying. I, I would love to help people see the importance of, of not holding the power and, and being competitive, but to engage in a dialogue with the other party that really seeks to understand where they are and why they're feeling the way they are about the situation. And that's for both the victim, the target of bullying and the, and the bully so that they can come together. And I think uh, there's so much more, you know, you can apply that in race dynamics and gender uh, all kinds of cultural issues in the workplace and outside of the workplace too. That's great. You know, and the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us all the power of technology and filming. I can imagine that modules like you're speaking about would be pretty easy to produce and and uh, create. So that's a great idea. Stacy. any thoughts on how communication matters here? You know, I always say that, you know, bullying by its very nature is a communication phenomenon, right? It happens through gossiping, through yelling, through belittling, through ostracism, silencing, But the positive note, right, since we're getting to the end of our our time together, is that communication is also the tool that that can help people resist it, right, that can help organizations work through these different issues in schools and kids and and kind of the things that Gary has been talking about is how do we come together. And communication is the tool that that we have, right, to fix bullying, right, to address it. I don't think that we'll ever be in a bully-free world, right, but we can, I think, use communication to help um, people better navigate these really difficult situations, and then, you know, as communication scholars, we're, I think, uniquely poised to give people these tools, right? And so I, I think in the future, we'll, you know, really hopefully continue as a, as a group to, to make these tools available. Because when we've done these different workshops and things, it's really been eye-opening, right, to learn about how these things are happening and schools, hospitals, right? Middle schools. And I really think that if we can get that information out more more broadly, then we'll really um, be able to make additional strides. But really communication is at the, the heart of that. And as communication scholars, we have important contributions to make in that broader interdisciplinary conversation, but also, you know, beyond research, just to help people, right, live better lives in whatever context they're experiencing it in. That's a great hopeful note to uh, put an end to our very enlightening and very uh, interesting conversation about the relationships between communication and bullying. So thank you all for joining us today on Communication Matters. This was a, a really useful discussion, I think, for a lot of, lot of people out there. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And listeners, if you want to learn more about communication and bullying, you can reference the much-mentioned NCA Anti-Bullying Resource Bank at natcom.org slash anti-bullying-resource-bank. That's natcom.org slash anti-bullying-resource-bank. 
Thanks again, as always, for listening to Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. And please don't forget, subscribe to Communication Matters wherever you listen to your podcast. NCA's Anti-Bullying Resource Bank includes academic journal articles about the nature of school bullying, addressing bullying in the workplace, how bystanders can intervene in bullying, and more. The Resource Bank also includes past NCA annual convention presentations and links to websites that offer resources for responding to bullying on your campus or in your community. Communication instructors may find that resources useful in incorporating information about bullying in their courses or in developing a new course entirely focused on bullying. In NCA news, there's still time to register for the NCA Institute for Faculty Development, also known as the HOPE Conference, to be held virtually July 19th through 23rd, 2021. The conference is designed for undergraduate communication faculty who want to build collaborative research and pedagogical relationships, learn about new directions in theory and pedagogy, and develop new course area expertise. Learn more about this year's conference and seminar leaders and register by July 5th at natcom.org forward slash 2021 hope conference. Finally, listeners, I hope you'll tune in to the next episode of Communication Matters on July 1st, which will focus on the 4th of July holiday. Communication professors Kalnita P. Green, Amber E. Kinzer, Askin F. Kerner, and Audra K. Nuru will address topics related to both family communication and communication in food, including the relationship between food and nationality, the burdens that family meals can place on women, family communication related to celebrations, and the changes in family gatherings that have taken place because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tune into this exciting episode to learn more about what communication research can teach us about holiday gatherings. Be sure to engage with us on social media by liking us on Facebook, following NCA on Twitter and Instagram, and watching us on YouTube. And before you go, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to listen in as we discuss emerging scholarship, established theory, and new applications, all exploring just how much communication matters in our classrooms, in our communities, and in our world. The National Communication Association is the preeminent scholarly association devoted to the study and teaching of communication. Founded in 1914, NCA is a thriving group of thousands from across the nation and around the world who are committed to a collective mission to advance communication as an academic discipline. In keeping with NCA's mission to advance the discipline of communication, NCA has developed this podcast series to expand the reach of our member scholars' work and perspectives. Communication Matters, organized at the National Office in downtown Washington, D.C., is produced by Assistant Director of External Affairs and Publications, Chelsea Bowes with writing support from Director of External Affairs and Publications, Wendy Fernando, and Content Development Specialist, Grace Hebert. Thank you for listening.